catering to the cats. So yep. they are, every cat is an individual. And so we have to make sure that we have tailored therapy for those individuals. Sorry for saying sorry media presents the Purr Podcast. The best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hello, this is Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. <laughs> and it's Dr. Susan Little. <laughs> and this is the Fur Podcast. And yeah. You did wonderful. Thank you. Oh, I know. I know. It's just, I don't know why. How, we've done, I don't know, dozens of episodes now. Yeah, we and did. We, and I can't start. I just can't start. I get stuck <laughs> at the start. I don't know what it is. She has the deer in the headlights. It is. It's the deer in the headlights yeah, look. It's like, well, I'll get over look. it. I know. I know. But you're doing so much better. Thank you. The beginning was just this big pause. Silence. Silence and, and nothing. Like, what do I, like, I do? And then I said, okay, let me do it. And uh, y'all is frantically giving hand signals, which don't mean anything. But anyway. we have the amazing... Dr. Jessica Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 See, and, now you know what I mean. Oh, that's an awkward pause. I know. I, like, I know. And, 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 and uh, we're going to talk about the why. Yes, yes. Yeah. The why. The so why. We, we left off because we ran out of time. Mm -hmm. Yes. In too our, exciting. Too I know. Exciting we, got, we got too excited. So we ran out of time in our, our first um, episode with, uh, with Jessica because we've been talking about stimulating appetite and we talked about some drugs. And we were kind of in the middle of, or towards maybe the end of a mirtazapine discussion, yeah. and we like ran out of time. So yeah. we'll have to try to pick up the thread. So where did we leave off? We yeah, were... so we were talking about, um, um, you know, our original studies looking at oral mirtazapine right. mm -hmm. and how we took kind of a, a rumor of good things mm. to come from <laughs> Vin and yes. did some good pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamic studies to try to figure out what the best dose was for using this drug. And for me, for using it in chronic kidney disease cats was my mm. goal. Yeah. So we then at that time decided we would be most appropriate using the 1.88 milligram dose every other day in our chronic kidney disease cats based on the research that we learned that normal young cats actually process the drug quite quickly at that dose but it's a bit delayed in chronic kidney disease mm. so, so the, the 1.88 is really just because yes. it's a Right, it's okay. Yeah, two like is fine. I know. Two is like, fine. I know. I, I Some people are like, all the time. what if it's 1.87? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> like you can't so, break the tablets that no, exactly anyway. No. But it comes so, from breaking down a it tablet. It does. Because yeah. at, so at the time, yeah. or, so, or 15. Two. Two. That's right. Yeah. So at the time, we were studying real life things. Yeah. And the question was, all we had at the time that we did those original oral studies on mirtazapine was we had a 15, 15 milligram tablet. And so people were giving a quarter of a tablet, which we suspected was too much, or an eighth Eight. of a tablet, right? <laughs> so that was 3.75 or 1.88. 1. 1. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. depending on how you want to do your rounding. So that's yeah. how those doses came about. But then, of course, I mean, does it have to be yeah. exactly so that? So if you compound so, it, you can compound two milligrams, yes, for yes. example, right? You don't... Yeah. yeah. And so some kitties, uh, you know, we've seen even that dose is mm. a little bit much for them and they mm. need one milligram. Yeah. Or... I see another advantage of a dermal application. Coming yeah. up yes. <laughs> right? So, yes. so many choices. Yeah. So... so we learned, though, that in like, so uh, let's say I have a young, healthy cat who mm -hmm. has a an acute disease and he's not eating yeah. well and we expect him to recover, but I, I want, so mirtazapine is nice because 
Good for stimulating appetite. Also has some anti-emetic effects, yes. which is nice. 5-HT3 drug. Yeah. So yeah. we get like two for one. Mm-hmm. So in that young, otherwise healthy cat, I can give it every day. Yeah. Right? Yep. But in my chronic kidney disease cats, I usually don't. Right. And and so that's what we learned with the oral, um, is that that was really important to know, is that we, it was so on, it was so surprising when we saw how short the half-life was in young, normal cats, that we actually did a study where we gave some of our research kitties that lower dose daily. Mm. And we couldn't, there was no drug accumulation. So by the next day, when we were about to administer the medication, we took a blood sample and they had there was really hardly anything left so they were actually quite quick at processing it and that was even with the oral medication so and that's kind of where i think where the idea of that um transdermal that fda approved transdermal of being daily came about was from that original information so what about liver disease caps do we need to change those or do we know good question so we actually did a study in liver disease as well because whenever i would i would talk at conferences people would sure raise your hand what about liver disease you know what do i do Mm. and so um that uh just i think came out in the last year or two Mm -hmm. and uh we looked at the oral mirtazapine because at that time there wasn't Mm. um anything else available and and yes they do have longer um, metabolism of the drug so now we're actually kind of back to uh, we might need to give it every other day to even longer some of those cats especially the very sick ones the hepatic lipidosis cats yeah. really held on to the drug but of course those cats need feeding tubes yeah, so, so so that we really studied yeah. it in those cats to answer the question and some owners wanted to try a dose of mirtazapine before committing to the feeding tube but our our true you know our best clinical recommendation was those cats mm-hmm. need feeding mm-hmm. tubes until they're yeah. through the process yeah drug therapy is not going right, to be the answer right. yes. i i use it more frequently in the cat that is thinking about it yeah. right they're like or what about oh. like a colon cholangitis yes. patient those yes. guys right? yeah, yeah yeah so they're not as bad as your really really yeah. sick hepatic but it just shows case. right if you're using the oral drug we have recommendations but you might have to adjust it Correct. by your patient because every cat's different yep exactly so and even an individual cats might still need dose reduction and my own personal cat she could not handle more than 0.5 milligrams yeah. she was but then she did very well with the transdermal because mm-hmm. when she got when she got the oral she went just crazy pants yeah and you might have cats that have both kidney and liver disease yeah that's cat specialty mm-hmm. right, right there yeah. <laughs> they like to collect diseases yep. mm-hmm. so if we go back to the transdermal route especially mm-hmm. so now we have a licensed product yep. at least in the u.s we yes. do called Miratev. what's the benefit transdermal versus oral Ugh, why well, do we want to do that i mean we've all tried to pill a cat we have right. <laughs> there's one right there hallelujah yeah there we go yeah so just I mean, getting it into the cat it's right? just getting yeah. into the cat is i think really the huge is the huge benefit and just one less medication to try to give and then you know honestly a lot of times what we say is we'll give that first and then when if the appetite is boosted a bit then if there are other things we're trying to sneak into the food we have a better chance of doing that you know and and of course nutrition is so paramount to success especially in any disease disease, acute or chronic we've got to keep them eating while we're Mm. fighting through whatever's going on and so that that's truly uh pretty important but it seems like also um, from our experience, both with the compounded product that we studied for the benefit of cats internationally, as well as the product um, here in the U.S., 
um, that actually there's, it really seems like there's less side effects mm. uh, with that transdermal medication because it, it tends to have um, a flatter drug concentration mm. curve. You don't get like a peak no, and then a drop off. No, you don't yeah. get that peak where all the meow, meow, meow and the hyperexcitability happens. Um, and that actually to me is, I mean, that's a, a huge thing. That's actually a really interesting thing, especially since this is our first transdermal. I mean, gosh. Well, and, there's another good question. Can I say something about that? Because yeah. I, mean, I, I think for me, Murica has really proved that we need more interdermal products. Oh, we need more study on transdermals. So I, I was just going to say that mm -hmm. very few drugs work transdermally, no, that, right? Yes, yes, that's very true. So that's the problem is that, you know, you, unfortunately, you can go online and there will be compounding pharmacies that will say, we'll put X, Y, anything or Z, you want. anything you want in a compounded transdermal. Yes. And your drug has to have a certain profile in order to actually be amenable to transdermal um, application. Yep. And, and so, um, and we also learned from our study of Ondansetron that even if it looks like it it's amenable on paper. Exactly. Once you actually try it on the cat, it still might not work. May not yes. work. Yeah. So we yep. thought that Ondansetron would work as a transdermal, and we measured nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we did so this sad. whole study and <laughs> like nothing. <laughs> so no yeah. transdermal so, on So I mean, that's it, like so. All these medications need to be studied as yes. transdermals. And then, I mean, the only other one that we, I think we really have good evidence for is, is methimazole. Yep. So it's, it's definitely had several rounds of studies, but then again, things can still be variable and gosh, I would just love to see someone actually do make a consistent approved yeah. product with yeah. methimazole. I think that's why some vets get even frustrated with methimazole because yes. from pharmacy to pharmacy, it's, be quite different. it's not the same product right. and some will absorb better, some yep. will be erratic. Yep. And so, you know, but, it's still until can't pill the cat. Totally. That's what we'll yeah. do if you can't pill the cat. Right. But it, you're, you're right. It would be nice to see a company take that on oh, and yes. get a license because then we'll know, you know, it will be, uh, it'll be appropriate. It'll absorb well. Right. It'll be consistent. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. So um, there's, is there any other licensed transdermal products for cats that I can think of? This is the first, not, isn't it? Yeah. No. I mean, I think it's anywhere. In really. I we think have so. Yeah. Well, the patch. Yeah. yeah. As a gel. It's also Transdermal. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I think in cats we've tried a lot of things, but this is the first thing that I know of that's mm -hmm. actually right. gotten to the point where it can be licensed. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and I think that was lots um, of flea products are transdermal. Well, okay. but they're, they're topical. topical. Oh, no, I know, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. But that's we're, different we're, use, we're using the skin as a barrier. <laughs> yeah, but there's a different entry barrier. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right, but mm -hmm. so well, and but, that's an important point because we have had some confusion. It's it's quite important to make sure that a demonstration is mm -hmm. done with this transdermal product because we've had some instances where people thought you were supposed to put it in the ear. Oh, like in the ear, like, like an ear canal, canal. Yes, yes, oh. as opposed like an eardrop or an yes, ear as opposed to oh. putting it. On I never thought the about the inside that. of the ear so, flap. We should mm. demonstrate. Yes. On the hairless part of, of the, the ear flap. Inside of the ear. And Does it accumulate? Do you have to like, because I know the compounded ones we've used. Oh, they can be you, you really. you got to clean it off. Yeah, stuff. So we do recommend regularly cleaning yeah. the ears. And, um, yeah. and, but for the most part, uh, there was actually a, like an absorption study that was done. And, and one concerned also was like, oh, well, if I pet my cat later, do I need oh, to be concerned about that? Is there human exposure? Yeah. So, right. Um, but of course it's an infinitesimal dose, but uh. there was a study that demonstrated that 
two hours after you've applied the drug, and you're supposed to, of course, use a protection. Yeah. Uh, you know, not your bare hands. Not your bare mm-hmm. hands. Yeah. Um, that that two hours later, you would, you know, there'd be minimal, 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 like okay. infinitesimal exposure. Right. So you wouldn't have to worry about that. Right. And obviously, the FDA has approved it, so it's, right. it's they, safe. Right. They I feel mean, it's kosher. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So I think that's a good reassurance right. right there. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a human drug anyway. It is. It's not like it is. It's a, and the comparison. I mean, humans are getting forty-five milligrams, sixty milligrams doses so we're we're giving cats one and two so right and then the infinitesimal amount of that 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 you you would would actually absorb correct yeah 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 Yeah. so so um, when people what's it used for well it's actually an antidepressant Uh in people but but see here's the thing is it wasn't I don't know that it's really ever done well as an antidepressant. You don't commonly hear about it, no, do you? No, because it makes you eat. Ah! Yeah. Oh, people eat. Yes! Wow. Oh, yes, and they gain weight. So here you are, you're depressed, <laughs> yeah. and then you want to eat and you gain weight. And then people oh, are like, oh, that's not popular. I can see that. That's not popular. So, <laughs> not a good thing. But, but so this is how it kind of made the jump, is that they then discovered, well, what about chemotherapy patients? Ooh. Right? And so using it in people who have nausea, and I need to eat and need to gain weight that's where it really started oh, to get cool. intriguing oh, because cool. there were several studies that were published looking at its anti-emetic effects and its effects for chemotherapy supportive care yeah and that's when we started to really get interested in the drug because we saw what it could do for these other folks yeah not just i don't really i mean i don't think of it as an antidepressant you see these no. orexigenic qualities of the drug and the anti-emetic qualities of the drug, anti-nausea, 5-HT3, and that's the exciting part of it. So it's a very complex drug. Yeah. It really is. It can but do apparently a lot of things. It can do a lot of yeah. things. And honestly, in, in in cats and dogs and humans, it's it's obviously very different in terms of how- Does it, it work in dogs? Do we know? Not really. Not really. I, I, I mean, our general estimation is it just, it's different somehow. They don't, they don't, we just don't see that effect. But of, there's also different- um, proportions or types of receptors yes. too, right? So Cats are very serotonergic, I think, yeah. more than dogs. I, I think there's some different receptor yeah. affinity yeah, yeah. interaction going on because humans, the main side effect is actually sedation. And hmm. we just don't see that in cats. It does not make cats sedate. It no. tends to make them actually more interactive and yeah, more social, happier. happier Maybe and... it is an antidepressant. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, could, I don't yeah. know. I don't know how to study that. But, you yeah. Know. How would you quantify that? Uh, yeah. yeah. But in dogs, we don't see any of those side yeah. effects. We don't see them be sedate. We don't see them get crazy. Sometimes with little dogs, I see them maybe eat a little bit more. Like we can get that pancreatitis, oh, diabetic, okay. DKA, you know, Dachshund yeah. out of the hospital, but nothing like yeah. it works. It's a cats. And we're really not yeah. supposed to talk about the D, the D word. Yeah. I know, right. but it's just interesting because the, the drug is so complex. Yeah. So we were talking about with the oral drug, um, uh, because it has a different profile when it's absorbed and you get different blood, blood levels, mm-hmm. that for a kidney disease patient and probably a liver disease patient, it might be better. It is better every second day. Right. With the oral. What about the transdermal? So, I mean, that's a great question because I get asked that a lot. I'm sure. I've been, Me too. I've been running around saying, you know, every other day for liver and you kidney have. disease. Yeah. I know. We have. And then yeah. like, okay. With the oral. So, yeah. so, I mean, now that we have this transdermal in our hands, and I'm talking specifically about the approved product, 
there a sub analysis was done in the pivotal study because that was my big question well can we look at those cats with kidney disease that were in the study to say well did they have more of those behavior side effects and actually there was no difference so there was a fairly decent subset of chronic kidney disease cats that went through that study and they were not more meow and they were dosed every day and they were dosed every day um, and they were not more meowy and they were not hyper excitable and they, you know, mm. they also had the drug effects. So that's, that's interesting to me because we didn't find that with our compounded transdermal. It did not go well when we gave that daily. They, they now were. that is interesting. Yes. Wow. They're, they're different. There's no question about it. So. So yet again. So. That, if you can I mean, get a licensed product, use right. a licensed so, product. And so based yeah. on what I know right now, I'd say like. I would be saying, well, if you're an international, internationally, you can't get this product, then you're using the compounded. You probably, I would be more cautious because mm. it's not as a. Okay. And you might want to try product. every other day I, before I, I you think, try daily. And then, I think right. that's a good point. Yeah. So either for the compounded or for the oral product, you have to be a lot more careful, careful. than with the registered product. Right. You yeah. know, and, and so, and it's just a difference in their, potentially their serum levels, but no matter what, every cat is different. Mm -hmm. So even as saying that I might actually have a cat who's like, woo, when I give it daily and then I know I've got to go every other day yeah. or I need to decrease yeah. the dose by half. And that's just, that's just, you know, being attentive Cater and monitoring, to catering to the cat. So yeah. they are, every cat is an individual. Mm -hmm. And so we have to make sure that we have tailored therapy for those individuals. Yeah. So, you know, you might say, well, every every second day, that's probably good because it's less than every day and isn't isn't that better. But, <laughs> right. you know, in a funny way, it isn't always, It's right? harder. Oh, I my goodness. I think it's harder. I, yeah. I you know, yeah. in dealing with clients like you have over many years, if you do something daily, it's often it's easier routine. to remember yeah. and routine Correct. than if you do something you every second compliance. or third day. Yeah. You get better. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean, we have we have every other day medications for our own cats. And my <laughs> husband and I have to have a calendar. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Like, yeah. there's a phone alert. Today is yeah. budesonide yeah. day. And, and who yeah. gave it? Did who you gave it? Did you give it? I give it. Can you Same give the cat deal. the medication? Yeah. Same. So you've got multiple people in the house. So I highly recommend calendars. Mm. Yes. And obviously, or you alerts need... or apps. Right, something. exactly. To be like, somebody yeah. give, give the drug. So because you're right, it starts to get quite complicated, especially yeah. when we're doing multiple drugs. Multiple drugs, all kidney disease, oh, all the different schedules and you have different people in the household and we don't want to, um, you know, miss doses or double dose yeah. for sure. So, so if we're um, talking about stimulating um, appetite in a sick cat. So in the first part, first episode that, that we did, we talked about some of the other appetite stimulating drugs. So from sort of the bad old days, you know, I'm old enough to remember where we only could use the benzodiazepines mm -hmm. like Valium and problems with those. And then, then the next best thing is ciproheptadine, <laughs> which was like better, but not great. Mm -hmm. Right. But so, you know, we've been through these various iterations and there's kind of two scenarios, you, you know, we might use them like it acutely to help a cat over short term illness or recover yep. from surgery or whatever. But then there's like the kidney disease cats yep. that they're not going to work. They're not going to get rid of their kidney disease. <laughs> no. So we haven't fixed that problem yet. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so for the time being, I'm working on it, but you know, yeah. for the time being, so is is it safe to give these drugs long-term? We absolutely give them long-term. I, I do not have any problem with, I, at this point in time, we've had cats that have been on mirtazapine for years. Mm. Um, and mm. we, it's same thing with meropitans. Oh, it's, another good question. Yeah, so, I, I mean, get that question all the time. I, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, sometimes things, it's important to remember that, uh, you know, especially as a veterinarian, we do have some 
I don't know if autonomy is the right word, but like well, how we, we can use, use our judgment. We can use our judgment. And so meropotent was approved for acute vomiting. Well, that's not, and that's why. It's probably not the most common the label, use, actually. No, that's, not, that's why the label is the way it is. Well, that's not what I'm using it for. And my chronic kidney disease cat didn't just get into the garbage no. and eat yes. like whatever. Or doesn't, that's... is he not on a car trip and <laughs> needs it for a day? No, yeah. right. So, so we very commonly use both of the medications together, actually. They probably you know they're often better together better together if, if the cat's having a bad term. time yeah and, yeah and for i'm really really invested in doing a nutritional assessment for that patient i'm looking at their weight i'm looking at their body condition and their muscle mass and when they are not making their nutritional requirements even in you know people often don't give stage two cats enough credit for mm -hmm. being inappetent and losing weight. Yeah. We have studies that show that those cats lose weight. And honestly, a lot of chronic kidney disease, iris stage two cats owners are the ones that are approaching me about being in clinical trials. They are noticing that their cats uh, eating habits have changed. And those cats do have elevated levels of uremic toxins. So I, we don't give them enough credit for feeling ill at that stage. And we're addressing their weight and their body condition just as soon as we see those things going abnormal. I don't want to wait until we've already lost the fight mm. and you're a skinny, kick, hectic mess. You mm. need a feeding tube at that mm. point in time. I want to try to prophylactically head that off at the pass and try to maintain my weight long term as I'm dealing with that chronic disease. And similarly, if you have an acute crisis, mm. I don't want you to slough weight in the next couple of weeks as I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with you, do my diagnostics and those other things for that that feline patient. Like, let's not even go there with yeah. the weight loss. If we can maintain their nutritional intake during that period, it's really critical. I okay. think that's a key tip is just like start early. Yeah. I think as, as a profession, we wait too long, don't yes. you think? Yeah. Yeah. It, I think Dr. Mergisher during her keynote, Marky? I don't know if oh, you yeah. were there, yes. uh, was talking about this huge study of millions of cats and how few cats really will wait on an okay. On, yes. on a, uh, I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So it's I think so that's important. one of the things that we really need to shout out is the fact that you know you need to weigh your patients and yes. you need to weigh them all the time but it's yeah. more than the weight mm -hmm. it's the body condition score and mm -hmm. particularly for the cat the muscle condition score mm -hmm. so i want to really pay attention to that muscle mass i'm training owners to pay attention to muscle That's mass good. like if they're petting their cat at home and they notice they're bonier and especially along the spine that apaxial musculature they should they pet their cat <laughs> they're, mm -hmm. they're going to notice that that's what i'm looking at when i assess that animal and i'm saying do you have normal muscle mass or do you have mild, moderate, mm. or severe muscle loss? That's not good. And yeah. that's part of my targeted management for that. And it's always hard to get it back. It is. Very so hard to get it back. let's not lose it in the first place. Yeah. And there so, are some good places yeah. where you can find information about how to do it. Uh, yep. the yeah. The WSAVA.org is a great PNA, place. The or the Pet Nutrition Alliance. Alliance. So, yep. We'll put links in our show there, notes. Yeah. And yep. so just to show how to do it because it's... It is super important. It is. Them, so. It is. Yeah. And I've heard you say many times, like, intervene early when they start even just getting a little picky. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yes. like a cat with a chronic condition, right? Right. Like, let's not wait. Right. And we, that, that's, you know, we've, the nutritionists are using a newer term, dyslexia. I like that term. I love this term. Right? Yeah. So, so I, like I don't want to know, I don't wait until anorexia, Rexia. right? Mm -hmm. That's weird. That's not good. It's too late. Inappetence. I, dyslexia means the eating habits have changed. Mm. They're not normal. Yeah. So they, they show up, they're doing the little food dance in the kitchen everybody's excited you put the food down and they're like yeah oh, i don't yeah. know so you probably no, treat i don't want that cats earlier yeah. than walk away. other people probably that, yeah, yeah. So, i'm very focused so on... when 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 would you say that you would start thinking about 
a medication like we're that. watching their weights we're mm-hmm. watching their muscle mass so and so, assume... so for for my yeah. listeners once again uh when well while you, you're you can watching. go by different things right yeah. like you can go by if it's an acute loss of appetite um, oh, so in the chronic cases. In the chronic cases. So what, I think people don't realize in our, our, our feline patients are very small and even 5% weight loss lot. or mm-hmm. 10% weight, it doesn't seem like a lot. I mean, that could be in that cap 0.1 or 0.2 kilograms. But if you're, if you're seeing a downward trend, mm. that's, that's what mm. we're, we're after. We're after really subtle changes that probably mean you know, there could be a disease process going on, but it also probably means you're not getting your nutritional requirements. Yeah. And so then I need to, I see that and I'm going to go back to the owner and ask really good questions about what exactly is the cat eating? Yes. Are, are they eating enough? Tell me, get a good diet history. And I often find that owners kind of get faked out about what's good. Yeah. They're like, oh, she ate a can of food today. And I say, well, unfortunately, based on what she's eating, she actually yeah. needs to eat two, two cans, two cans, or maybe even three, three cans. cans. Yeah. And they just go, yeah. you just see their face fall. Yeah. And they go, yeah. oh. Because they don't know not, what's in the can. They don't. They don't. Mm-hmm. So we we have people walk out the door with, here is the new the caloric requirement of your cat. I give them an idea of what the caloric uh, value is of the foods that they're feeding. And so they have a good understanding of what needs to be going in to say, yes, we made our, we achieved that for today. I like the idea of a nutrition prescription. Yeah. You know, the yeah, same as you would a drug. Like, right. So what food, how often do you give it? And then how do you feed Correct. it? Right. Correct. I like yeah. that. It's very and, specific. So. And we also know that if you don't do that, that people most yeah. will not follow your advice. Correct. Yeah. yeah they don't have any idea how mm-hmm. much kibble is enough or how many cans. To them, a whole can of food is like, ooh, a whole can of food. And you're yeah. like, nope. No. Especially those three ounce cans. They're usually like. You might need 16 of them. <laughs> <laughs> they're only like yeah. 75 to 85 yeah. kcals per yeah. can usually. Yeah. And you yeah. know, a very, very basic, like, you know, the, I'm not a nutritionist, but like a, if you want like a hard and yeah. fast 50 kcals per keg, that's would be a good, just like a very, yeah. I like, usually say 40 to 50, somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah. If that's a quick and dirty. Quick and dirty. So if you're three kegs, you need yeah. to be eating about 150, 150. kcals. And then when we do the math, right yeah, there. when we do the math, that's what you need to be eating. Yeah. And people say, oh, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. And so. I, I think the other benefit of intervening early, and you'll have to tell me if you see the same thing, as good as drugs like mirtazapine are, they do seem to work better if you're not like totally anorexic, if you're not yeah. too far gone, yeah. right? Yeah, for so sure. So you still have something so, to work with. And again, I, I like to use it when I kind of, they are interested, but they're not yeah. doing enough. Yeah. And I, I really worry it's not going to potentially be as effective in the completely yeah. anorexic patient. That's what I think. And it too. always makes me worry when the cat doesn't respond um, with an increase in, the, in how much they're eating because... It's like, well, yikes, things mm. must be pretty so bad that, then. So if that you know? happens, what do you do? So are you doing more diagnostic tests? Well, uh, obviously it depends on the case. I mm-hmm. mean, a, a lot of times, of course, we need to figure out what's going on. But sometimes we know. You know, we know this cat has kidney disease. We know it's in a, a uremic crisis and it has a kidney infection. So we're very progress- We're very proactive about our nutrition at, at um, the university. And, uh, you know, we're placing feeding tubes that we're talking about that with the owner, like, and you know using medical therapy is not enough to increase your nutritional intake and and help with your weight we need something more but see that's the thing is that's when we're already so far down the line like can we intercede earlier so we don't even so can we can we not get to that point that's what i'd really like to Mm -hmm. see and that'd be a great 
you know, study to do as well. Mm. If we're interceding early, can we actually help them to not get to the point where they're they're so bad? People off? don't use feeding tubes enough, and they don't yes. use them soon enough. Yes, right. That's so kind of that. I think that's one of the. I talk about feeding tubes a lot, and I think that's a really key point. Right, and don't for medications as well. Mm. Oh, and water. Sometimes owners water. don't want you to take the feeding tube out. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's so easy. Yeah, yeah. and there's some new um, or fairly new equipment on the market from a couple of companies that. Um, make it quick and easy to place feeding tubes mm-hmm. uh, instead of the old traditional kind of down and then let's try to make that you know that turn around <laughs> and, yes, and, yeah, right. and stuff yeah. it down the right. esophagus and there's I, some I, cool I, equipment now. I just now. want to intervene here a little bit because we have Dr. Julie Churchill uh, oh, coming up. I will really? ask her about <laughs> okay. feeding tubes. In, 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 well, okay. So I, I have to hold that. on to my excitement right. about yeah. feeding yeah. tubes. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. But, but we're still, still very excited about medical management. Yes. We are. There's a place for all of this. It is. And it's that's again you have to assess the individual patient and decide what is best for them i have a question because of course i have an oncology background how does it work in oncology patients we absolutely use it in oncology patients Mm -hmm. we absolutely use it when they're going through chemotherapy Mm. um you know and that would be a good place for your meropotent as well Mm -hmm. and then i i do like the possibility that it's been shown in human oncology patients to be helpful when they're going through chemotherapy on the oral mirtazapine side right Mm -hmm. so definitely there's an there's a place for it in oncology as those animals are fighting for keeping up their body condition mm-hmm. and their nutrient intake. And again, and it, we can combine meropotent and mirtazapine mm-hmm. together because their anti-emetic effects are different mechanisms. Correct. And yep. they may work synergistically yep. a bit too, I think. Yes. And I like the fact that, you know, you give a lot of drugs per os during chemotherapy protocols. So this is a nice alternative that you don't have to give it. Yeah, if we're using the uh, transdermal transdermal formulation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like one less oral drug. (laughs) Yeah, that's always a... And excited. That's a happy dance moment, right? So this has been great. We're Are we already out of time again? I know. <laughs> so wow. this just means that you have to come back. We didn't even talk about kidney disease, really. I know. But <laughs> we, I think the, we just try to keep cats eating. We haven't even talked about the kidneys. The funny thing is that when we started this, I said, okay, this is going to take about you know two times 25 minutes. She said, 50 minutes? <laughs> and yes, it's going over before you know. Oh, and, and here I, we are. We're done. Yeah, yeah, we're we're still so many things to talk about. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I'm sorry. I'm the, well, we'll do the it again. timekeeper. We'll do it again. I yes. know. Really Yola's always it. the yeah, one who cuts fun. us off. Oh, I, I just right. I keep yeah. talking. <laughs> yeah, she'll be keep talking forever. But uh, no, thank yeah. you so much. We're very That's grateful that you yeah. shared yes, your expertise here and your knowledge. My favorite subjects. Yeah. So before we leave, eating. you said you had hats of your own, too? I do. I have. A number. So I always say when people do that, it means more than two. Because yes. I, because yes. I was that person. We have more than two. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm down to two now, but yeah. I was that oh, person. That so, <laughs> so, so I get it. Yeah, I get so, it. I mean, it depends on how you count the cats. It does. That's the thing. Is which does. Which cats are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. So are they like the indoor cats? Or right. The bird right. cats or the outdoor exactly. cats or the ones exactly. I take care of or the ones that are temporarily fostered. Okay, never mind. (laughs) We have no, no. We have seven cats. Oh, so that's seven permanent. Yes, yes. There you go. Permanent citizens who live (laughs) in the house. Oh wow. 
the rest of them, you know, yeah. we're just, I'm doing my best to just TNR everything around in me in the state of Ohio. It's <laughs> like, oh, you wandered onto the farm? Well, let me grab you. Yes. <laughs> how about a, I'm gonna how about you a, away for a day. vaccine yeah. and a snip snip? Uh, and, and before you know it. <laughs> right. All right. Thank so, you. Good work. Of course. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Jessica. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August, Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs, and you can follow her on social media with the handle at CatVetSusan. Dr. Yola Kirpenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GVE. TSX. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page, at Per Podcast. 